Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. How's it going, everybody? Depending on when you're listening to this episode, it's probably very close to Tuesday, December 8th, okay, which is very exciting because it's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Now, we're well into Advent, but not everybody knows what the Feast of the Immaculate Conception is all about. It's mostly a massive, massive reminder and celebration that Jesus, right, the, the one who saved us all, he came forth from the womb of an Immaculate Virgin, all right, I got really theological there, forgive me. But you have to admit, it's kind of crazy to think of what went down 2,000 years ago, right? In the womb of a virgin in Bethlehem that literally changed the course of human history. I'm not actually sure that Mary was in Bethlehem when she conceived of Jesus, but she certainly was in Bethlehem when she gave birth to Jesus. And here's what's crazy. On my high school campus down here in in Tampa, where I work now full-time, Jesuit High School, we had an outdoor liturgy to celebrate this feast. There was 900 of us, well, probably more actually, close to a thousand of us gathered outside. Don't worry, we were safe and socially distanced. But I have to say, it was just a beautiful reminder that I'm not alone. You know, none of us are alone in this world that right now still feels a little crazy, you know? And we're in these weeks leading up to Christmas. We're in this final countdown to what I think is the most beautiful day of the year, right? The day that we remember truly once and for all, Emmanuel, right? God with us, that we can live with hope, that we can live with purpose. And today, you know, we're kind of diving into it with Dr. Ryan Hanning. This is actually the last time he'll be with us in season four of the podcast. So just soak it in, okay? Dr. Ryan Hanning is, as you know, a brilliant theologian, but he's also a pragmatist, right? And today we're kind of doing our second part uh, of the conversation on the social virtues. And today, we very specifically, we dive into generosity, we dive into honor. What does it really look like to appeal to the the natural goodness in every human soul? What does it look like to, to reach out in these trying times, in these tumultuous times, and to actually find entry points for the gospel? And the social virtues are a brilliant place to start. Okay, so in just a moment, as always, I'll be sitting down with regular contributor, Dr. Ryan Hanning. But before I do that, I just want to share, not an excerpt, but the entirety of a song called Wonder, well, in parentheses, Advent. Okay, this is a song, it's actually track one on an album that I helped produce back in 2013 called In the Bleak Midwinter. And the featured artist, well, it's called Marion Grace, but it's it's really Colleen Nixon, right? She's the vocalist on this track and on this entire album. And this song is so beautiful. Colleen wrote it and it is very much a, a meditation that I think is perfect for this time of the year. It's perfect, obviously, for Advent. So kick back and enjoy this tune. You can find it anywhere digital music is streamed. The album, again, is called In the Bleak Midwinter by Marion Grace. The song is called Wonder. Oh, blessed Mary and dearest Joseph, 
Allow me to journey with you to Bethlehem. I am a lonely pilgrim making my way to the center of history, the birth of Christ the Lord, with unspeakable, unexpected wonder. I long to behold, I long to behold, I long to behold the promised Messiah. Time will stand still forever, divided by the entry of the Creator into His creation. Dr. Ryan Hanning. Yes. Welcome back. We went we went way deeper than we thought with the social virtues of compassion and cooperation, which is probably uh, a good thing. Maybe yeah. maybe we just need maybe we just need to sink in. Well, know? it was only a few weeks ago. And I think to be honest, like it's really good that we space these conversations out because there's a lot to digest, there's a lot to apply, there's a lot to dialogue about. You know, I would like to think that I've I've studied the virtues pretty extensively, probably more than most people I know. I've never actually heard an unfolding of the social virtues, specifically like compassion, generosity, magnanimity, honor, cooperation. Today, we're jumping into generosity, magnanimity, and honor. But to be fair, like we're not really living in a world that cares very much about virtue at all. No, but when they see it, they really like it. Suddenly like, this makes sense. It speaks to the human heart. There, it does. You know, we, we all, deep down, we all aspire to this type of, this excellence, right? Yeah. It's the reason we're willing to pay four bucks for a good cup of coffee because yeah. we actually like good things. That's right. And when That's we see right. people living well, it's attractive. And that might be the very connecting point, you know, in these kind of conversations with Lovegood is we're trying to not only help people raise their standard, and actually, it's it's our patrons increasingly inspiring each other, inspiring me to raise our standard for music, for books, for art. It really is ultimately about this way of life that mm-hmm. we should all be pursuing, that we should all be longing for. From the perspective of faith, we know it's rooted in the yep. gospel. We know it's rooted in, in beautiful theological doctrine. But that's not always the entry point. That's not yep. always the best place to start with those who don't share the faith, something like social virtues, almost easier starting place than the cardinal virtues because everybody gets it. And and just for the same reason that you started your book with compassion, nobody argues with that yep. virtue in today's world. Yeah, in fact, they they're they're mesmerized by it. They're they're confused by it. You know, Christopher Hitchens famously wrote that book that Mother Teresa was you know was a fraud. Right? <laughs> he met Mother Teresa and he could not believe there is an altruistic human being. Wow. Like her. And so he wrote a scandalous book about how she was power hungry and, you know, was trying to get all this money and all this stuff. And in it, he kept asking this question, like, and he kept saying, I don't have as much evidence for this as much as a hunch. Like, he would actually say <laughs> that, so you know? but on his deathbed, it's somewhat controversial, but one of those who was present with him essentially talked about, he was having like a dark night of the soul. Mm. And he was essentially exposed to something in Mother Teresa that really perplexed him. Mm. And for the first time in his life, he thought not only might he be wrong, but that maybe there was a model of life 
that actually made sense for the first time. Yeah, no, to be wrong for the first time. No, but, Can yeah, you imagine? Yeah, and I, I, it's funny. I, you know, of all the of all the atheists, um, Christopher <laughs> Hitchens is my favorite because he's just really honest. Right? Oh my gosh! You know, he's just he's just brutally honest. Sounds like an egomaniac to me. Oh yeah, my well, gosh. No, he's even honest about that, right? I mean, but so. <laughs> But the point being is that, that you know, even people with a really hardened disposition, for whatever the reason might be, are, are very attracted, even if they're suspicious at first, oh they're really goodness. attracted to these social virtues. So, you know, <laughs> compassion is the first, and it's the one that, that Christ himself lived and emulated and were called to. And it takes, it's just like any other virtue, it takes practice. And I so, love what you said. It's to suffer with and to rejoice with. Yeah, suffer it's with. It's to be with. It's to, it's to be willing to enter in with the people you know and the people you don't know in, in really meaningful ways. I mean, people should look at, at really, people should look at, at Christians as like the most compassionate, that we'd be motivated by a, a deep sense of accompanying and walking with other people in their good times and bad times. Since that word is so key for me. You know, Pope Francis has been using it since 2013, mm-hmm. accompaniment, the art of accompaniment, the art of compassion, you could almost say. He says it's, it's taking off your sandals before the hallowed ground of the other. Yeah. Like realizing that, you know, every time you're encountering a human soul, there is a weight of glory. Yep. If you've got the eyes to see it. That should lead you, as C.S. Lewis says, to a, a point of where you're almost tempted to bow down and worship because yeah. you you can so sense the dignity in the other. And even if they don't see it in themselves. That's right. And that's right? part of what is so exciting is this virtue of compassion can actually bring out beauty and bring mm-hmm. out dignity in others. Yeah, especially when when the person that's suffering, you know, very often in dialogue with people who are suffering or even people who are who are celebrating great joy, they might not know the source of their suffering. And, and we might not either. We might have to sort of enter in, into that. And so, you know, compassion really is, you know, in a nutshell, in terms of you know developing it as a virtue, it's just willing to to take a second and and think about the, the dignity of the person right in front of you. Yeah. Right? The, the the human being that 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 is another beloved son or daughter of the father, that, that is your brother and sister, right? That is, is another human that shares in the same thing that makes you human, they share in, right? With the same hopes, the same dreams, the same things that break their heart and fill them with joy and lead them to laughter. Mm. And, and and if that's the root of compassion and it's directed towards truth, right? I mean, Benedict XVI's Caritas and Veritate, Veritate is all about this. Mm. It's one of my favorite documents, you know? that charity has to be guided by truth. Mm. And so that that compassion is not just about doing stuff for people. That's way too insufficient. It's about doing those things people need and want so they can become who they are. Yeah. So, you know, com- being compassionate is, is not giving people bad things, right? Like, you know, if, if somebody is suffering because of a, a lack of clean water, compassion is not only providing for their acute need of giving them water, but also then providing the ability to access water. Mm. Right? Like it just makes sense. We know that to be true. Which, which then at that point does begin to require cooperation. Yep, exactly. Working alongside, whether that's individuals or communities or other civil and and even religious leaders, right? Yep. So tell us about cooperation. Just remind us real yep. quickly what that's so about. So cooperation is, is this unity and, and working together towards a common goal. And it's got to be a, a just end and a just means. Mm. And ultimately, both compassion and cooperation should be in such a way that it elevates the horizon of man towards their eternal destiny. Nice. Man, so, I like the sound of that. In, in other words, you know, we're not just trying to provide for their immediate needs. We're simultaneously trying to help them flourish in such a way that their life can be integrated towards both its imminent and its transcendent purposes. I love it. So in other words, you know, think of Christ, right? Think of Christ's interaction. Think of Peter and James, right? I, I 
I don't have food or water to give you. I don't have a coin to give you, but what I can give you is the gospel. Yeah. Right. This authentic compassion would lead us to not only provide for the material goods and to cooperate together to provide those, but also to this deep desire to share Christ with others. Mm. Gosh, I think of uh, St. Ephraim in the desert. He has a dream where he goes to heaven and all these people are clapping as he's walking in. And these are all the people that he has properly witnessed to and mm-hmm. that he has, has, has shown compassion and, and, and helped lead them. And as he gets closer, which is funny in the dream, as he gets closer to heaven, there's people not clapping. It's all the people he has not yet helped or that he has failed wow, to help wow. and he wakes up. Wow. Right. This recognition of this call to the to develop the virtue of compassion. Wait, wait, who, who is this? St. Ephraim in the desert. Oh it's a story attributed to him. I cannot wait um, to read that. It's probably extra canonical. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's a story attributed to him. But this idea then that you know that we should be guided Man. by by the virtues of compassion cooperation. And there are others too. You know. Uh, one of the social virtues um, is generosity, mm. which is related in many ways to humility, right? Humility is living the truth of who you are, the gifts and talents that you've been given and the gifts and talents that you have developed in service for others. And humility has this both sort of foundational component, this humility in terms of being created mm. by God, but also then this humility in terms of knowing your own gifts and strengths and weaknesses. So generosity then is about really about responding with, with a real desire to bring your best in service to others. Mm. So if, if we think of what it takes to be in society, right? If society is, is, is the sum collective of interpersonal relationships necessary to live, right? And we do this in various you know, sizes. You know, if to be in society, if, if you need compassion to be able to suffer with and see the other, if you need cooperation to be able to work together, I mean, even just on a basic level to, to hunt and to, to farm, you need that cooperation. And it really is a virtue because it can't just be an economic function. It's got to actually move towards a social function where you want to make a gift of yourself to one another. Well, you need to do that without holding back. So generosity mm. is 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 deeply linked here. And, and to develop the virtue of generosity, Aristotle actually has a lot to say about it. Hmm. He says, to recognize that the gifts that you have are best used when given in good service. Hmm. To recognize that the idea of a generous heart is so applauded because they they give in ways that are thoughtful. So he, he describes the generous person as opposed to the miserly person, the person who holds on to everything, which he says is always loathable. Even if they have good reason to hold on to it, he says it's still loathsome, right? Yeah. Versus the person who give things away only for vain glory, right? Who yeah. gives things away only to be seen, right? Yeah. And how different authentic generosity is. You know, authentic generosity is like, you know, I got some carrots, you got some potatoes, let's make soup, mm-hmm. right? It's not self-congratulatory. It's bringing the gift that we have, which is very often a pittance, but recognizing that that we're called to bring it and offer it all reminds me of the uh, the poor widow who of course leaves her two coins yep. you know her contribution is is not much but the lord clearly celebrates her offering and i think makes it a wonderful reminder for me that he doesn't he doesn't ask for much he just asks for everything yeah and that's so often one of those yeah, he said kind of the the gentleman, oh, Christopher Hitchens, mm-hmm. right? He was so captivated by the, essentially the, the generosity, the altruism of Mother Teresa. Well, I think that's like the little things that generosity can do to break down the walls and the barriers in, in human hearts because nobody ever really sees it coming mm-hmm. when somebody is that detached and they almost can't help but give it all. Yeah, and, th- and think for a moment too, we've encountered this, right? Like a truly generous person it can be something as simple as saying, 
I don't have the gifts and talents, but I'm going to bring somebody that does. Yeah, sure. Right, like that level, or or the person says, I have the gifts and talents, and I'm going to bring it in service. Mm-hmm. This this requires absolutely true humility, but it's, it's, it's a step beyond, it's a real desire to bring that humility into the social relationship, into relationship mm-hmm. with others. So generosity is about, you know, serving the common good with 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 the best of what you have. Right? Can you imagine if if we all thought for a moment of what we have to contribute to the social ills of our day mm. and how and prayerfully discern how we might be called to respond to them in, in big and small ways, mm. right? Rather than the alternative of saying, we can't do anything, it's too big a problem or it's not my problem, or I'm only gonna move once I have everything ready. Or like, you know, again, these false dichotomies. And so generosity and a generous heart, we, we hear the Lord loves. Lord loves a, a, a cheerful giver, right? We hear, mm-hmm. we, we hear about the generosity of of you know, so many of the parables. In particular, I love the you know, Matthew twenty, the the parable of the workers in the vineyard, and and really it's a, it's a story about generosity and people's response to it. Mm. And he's using this as a parable to say, look, God has given you everything, your life, the air you breathe, everything you have has, comes from God, and and you're going to sit there and, and hold on to it as if it's yours. Mm you know, rather than to utilize it for your own good and the good of others. Mm-hmm. So, you know, essentially generosity as a virtue then comes from developing this habit of carefully discerning where you can make a gift of yourself to others in in both small and large ways, but to do it well. Mm. So generosity comes from not just saying, oh, I want to help people, but to really discern, here's how I can help and here's how I can do it well. So it's sort yeah. of like the virtue of generosity would be like you go and you serve at a soup kitchen but you 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 really don't work that hard, right? Or you go to the soup kitchen and you make soup, but you just you know you don't you put a little less salt because you know poor people don't need as much salt as you. like that type of sort of holding back mm. is loathsome to both yeah. Aristotle, who's a pagan, and to God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it's not attractive. So if, if this generosity of heart, this recognition of of who we are, and the 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 requirements of membership, right? I've been reading a ton of Wendell Berry lately, and. You know, this is one of his major themes that runs throughout the course of his work, that authentic membership in a community makes demands. Mm. And that the, this, these demands require you to make decisions about, you know, um, about the flourishing of the community you serve. And the truth is we're all, we're, none of us are an island. We're all dependent upon others. And so this generosity, there's this ability to bring our gifts, but to do it in such a way that we have a, a generous and loving heart that wants to give our best. One of the places I see that so fully and freely given is Cove Crest, the big life team oh, yeah, camp course, in North yeah. Georgia. They, you know, they wouldn't even pride themselves on it because they're too humble. It's just the most obvious thing in the world that they live and exercise radical hospitality. Yes. Very inspired by the rule of St. Benedict. Yep. And obviously whenever a monastic community, especially under the rule of, of St. Benedict was to receive a guest, it was as if they were receiving God himself, yep. you know? And so this wild generosity, this radical hospitality, it always like throws me off. Yep. And I'm obviously somebody who loves the Lord and the gospel and have been to Covecrest three times a year for the last 13 years. And it still surprises me, the joy and the generosity of, of the people who run that camp, you know? So that to me has been something I've always wanted more in my day-to-day life, in the home that I live in, the community that I surround myself with. And maybe this is an obvious statement, but like joy and generosity, yep. joy, poverty, generosity. I mean, that's like, 
they go hand in hand. They, they really do. I mean, and you can't develop the virtue of generosity by doing it with holding back or doing it unjoyfully. Mm-hmm. It's not generous to give of your gifts and then complain about it. Yeah. And the truth is, and I, I say this, I speak from, you know, for myself as well, because I need to hear it. Most of us aren't generous. Yeah. And even if we think we are, we're not, we've been given so much. Yeah. I remember I was sitting in my office when I was working in the Diocese of Phoenix and I saw something happen that I've never seen before. And my office looked out on one of the main bus stops in downtown Phoenix. And there was a homeless man sitting at the bus stop. And I, you know, I knew the man because I had I rode the bus for years and that particular bus route would go to the courthouse. And so mm. I, I know the guy, uh, he's a judge at the courthouse, a very good attorney and now a judge. And he's there with a suit and jacket on. And I can't hear the words, but I see the homeless man who is wearing this old sweaty t-shirt point and point out that he likes the, the judge's shirt and mm. the judge is wearing this sort of nice polo underneath his sport coat. Yeah. And the judge takes his sport coat off and gives the dude his shirt. Oh, wow. Now, wait, it gets better. So then the guy that's, that I, I presume is homeless or at least impoverished and, and, and is in need takes this sweaty shirt off and gives it to the lawyer and the lawyer puts it on. Mm. And they just stand there waiting for the bus. And, you know, they're the only two people there. No one sees this. No one, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm like, you know, like looking in this incredible moment wow. of exchange between people. Wow. And I love the fact too, that he didn't just give a gift, he received a gift too. Yeah, wow. You know, this is this dude's only shirt, right? Like, you know, he didn't just ask for the shirt and hang on. Like he gave, just this beautiful expression of generosity. Wow. God gives us tons of opportunities to do that. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's funny. A lot of times people say, well, you know, isn't that reckless? Or, you know, a lot of the programs out there, you know, program, programs or or political agendas that, that seek generosity are reckless. Well, yeah, they, they're very reckless if they try to take away from people and give to others without their consent. They're very mm. reckless if they think that the solution to problems is just more stuff. Mm. Very reckless. And it's not generous just to, 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 to give people more things. The problem of poverty is not having not enough things. The problem of poverty is not having access to get those things. Yeah. That's the component of dignity that they're that they're lacking because we haven't given them access so they can use their gifts and talents. So true generosity then, you know, authentic virtue of generosity is, is giving our very best in relationship with others. Mm. Um, so in, in Aristotle, you know, talks about that particular virtue. The other virtue related to it, you know, is honor. It is recognizing your own dignity and the dignity of others. And it's a separate virtue because it's it's developed a little differently. You know, if if generosity is is the response, it's we you know, we see somebody, we encounter them, we have compassion, we're motivated, and we want to serve them. So we give freely, we give joyfully, and we give enough, or we bring other people to help give, then honor is is sort of you know the 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 philosophical reason behind the the reason we do it, right? Hmm. Honor is about seeing that person saying, you know, that person is a beloved son and daughter of the father. I'm a beloved son and daughter of the father. We share something in common and I want to recognize their own dignity. I want to recognize mine and, and allow myself to be a, a servant in that situation. What's the difference between honor and compassion? Yeah, so so honor is really about an acknowledgement of your own worth. And because you acknowledge your own worth, you're able to see the worth of others as well. Got it. So honor then is about making sure that your actions correlate with what you know to be true of yourself and your own dignity. Mm. Right. And so on, that's why I say like, you know, a person who has honor is a person who lives with integrity, yeah. a person who knows who they are. An honorable person doesn't say one thing and do another. An honorable person 
knows they have gifts and talents to serve others. So this honor is sort of this philosophy that intellectually undergirds our ability to serve. Mm-hmm. And so in this way, I mean, and you know, all these social virtues are related, but they are distinct in terms of how they're developed and how they're practiced. If compassion, we would say, is this virtue, a social virtue that lives in the heart, right? You know, very much honor is the social virtue that lives in the head, right? When we say things like, you know, when, when I sin and my immediate thought is that was dishonorable because that I did not act in a way that is in accord with the nature of who I am mm-hmm. or is not in accord with the nature of, of who I say I am and how I should act or the standard by which I should hold myself as a father, as a Christian, as a brother, as a son, that, that, that's honor. It's a virtue that, like generosity, many of us lack. Yeah. Now, we have things that are substitutes like self-esteem or we want to maintain our, you know, our, our persona or, you know, we, we, we obviously we want to maintain our integrity. Or the, absolutely. But we want to be authentically people of integrity. Mm. And, and so honor is this, is, is this recognition of, of who we are, who we're called to be, and then the willingness to see it in others and then to act accordingly. So, so one extreme might be sort of like this self-respect, this overemphasis mm-hmm. on other people's opinion or our reputation or kind of a vanity, I'm assuming. Yeah, so the, the idea that, that honor is more than just upholding your reputation because the reputation is dependent upon others. You can't control your reputation. Right. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about who you know, you, who you truly are and whether or not you've lived up to this. So mm. there's this great dialogue and they're, they're called the Ring of Gyges. And it, it's it's about whether or not a person, if they had a ring, like think of, this is where J.R. Tolkien gets inspiration from, oh, by nice. the way. If you had a ring that made you invisible, would it be better off to be invisible and you could you know, steal, rape, do whatever you wanted, invisible without being caught. Mm. And you could amass this wealth and amass this power so as to be honored and esteemed by your friends, is it better off to be that person in the end of the day or better off to be the person who has that power but doesn't utilize it and is not respected because they don't have wealth and don't have fame and don't Mm. have power? And of course, the conclusion of Plato and Aristotle is that in all ways, it's better to be the second person, Mm. right? The person who who didn't wield their power in an abusive way. And and the calculus is this, is even if people don't know or, or, or you're an ill reputation or something, as long as you've done honorably, as long as you've lived in accord with who you are, that's that's the standard at the end of the day, not necessarily what people think of you. Mm. So, you know, this this becomes really part of the social virtue too, is to act in accord with your nature, yeah. right? Which is about humility and you don't want to fall into the, the vices of vanity or, or the vices of inaction. And, and then if you do this well, right? So the person who's properly empathetic, the, the person who has compassion, the person who seeks to cooperate and bring their gifts and cultivate the gifts of others, uh, the, the person who has honor, rec- recognizes their own dignity and seeks to, to bring that dignity out in others and, and has a generous response of heart. All of those virtues were, were given their own sort of grand virtue. Mm. And this is megalopsukia in Greek means great soldness. I like doing the etymology of the world word is really important. So, you know, mega means big, of course, and 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 sukia is the word for soul, or also is like the word for the heart of the person, like mm. like at the deepest essence what they are. So when the ancient Greeks said sukia, they didn't mean just like what we think of like the, the eternal spirit. Right? Mm. They didn't have that concept. They thought the thing that describes man most, what we might say their heart and their mind, that that whole, the, the sum total of that person for them is 
Sukhya, mm. right? So Megala Sukhya or, or Magnaminity is this idea of great soulness. The Latin magna meaning great, anima meaning soul or spirit. This is the sum total of those virtues then begin to cultivate a virtue in the person in which they are great hearted. They seek to do great things and call others to greatness. And this is like the forgotten virtue today. Mm. Christians forget it because we think it's prideful. We think that the statement that we're called to do great things is somehow uh, against humility. No, it's not. No, in fact, magnanimity and humility perfect each other. Mm. Your humility to live in the truth of who I am and then to recognize that I'm actually called to beloved son and daughter to, to affect this world, to do great things, big and small, but to desire great things. We hear this in, in Philippians 4.8 when he, you know, St. Paul says, whatever is good, beautiful, and true, you know, think on these things, right? Whatever is excellent, think on these things. So, Great heartedness or magnanimity is, is the confidence and trusting in the gifts God has given you and, and seeking to develop those in ways that, that can serve the world in great things. Mm. So it's this call and recognition of your own dignity and, and a, a firm belief that you're capable uh, of doing great things that God helps you do, right? So uh, the social virtues all sort of coalesce in this, this big virtue that we're really lacking today, which is this great-souled person. Mm. The person who knows who they are, who, who wants to make a gift of themselves to others, and, and in fact, in some ways, is able to call the greatness out in others, to inspire this greatness in others. Mm. And these social virtues collectively were, when in the ancient world, when they talked about the polis, P-O-L-I-S, the, the city, when they talked about the people, the patria, the, the homeland, when they talked about what the word for gens, which was a, a group of like a language group or ethnic group, when, when they thought about these things, they would talk about the social virtues they possessed. When they evaluated the goodness of a people collectively, they would use this standard. Mm. They would say, are, are, they, are they generous? Do they have honor? Think of if you've watched Gladiator, right? We've all watched Gladiator, the classic Russell Crowe movie. These were the operative virtues in the Roman world, in the pagan world, right? Honor, you know, courage, generosity, the cooperation, right? Look at the great things we can do. And that becomes perfected then by an authentic sense of compassion that we get in Christianity. So the social virtues are, are going to be extraordinarily important moving forward. They're always important. They're important in every age. But in a particular way, here and now, given the situation we're in, we need to cultivate them and practice them think about them and pray that God would give us opportunities to grow in them because it's what our world so desperately needs. Yeah. Amen. And what's really exciting is obviously this episode is really only a few weeks away from Christmas, which is an amazing opportunity to remember what that ultimate compassion or condescension really looked mm -hmm. like 2000 years ago when God took on human flesh, what that ultimate generosity called forth in the heart of our Lord from the cross, that magnanimity of soul that was obviously par excellence perfected in Jesus. That is uh, an ultimate aim and deepest fulfillment for us all to pursue and to pursue together. And that's again, part of what I love about this podcast. It's not you and I lecturing from a stage or in an auditorium. It's not us just throwing out another video on YouTube, you know, uh, although there's a lot of really good ones of you now at lovegoodculture.com. If you're not yet a patron, I, I want to say this, that actually that talk that you gave to our apprentices and that was then duplicated for our patrons on magnanimity mm -hmm. and humility was a cause for conversation 
and reflection for like months. So there's a lot of really amazing opportunities to to keep thinking about these mm-hmm. things and to grow in these social virtues and to recognize that we are social beings yes. and that we do in fact long to love and be loved more than anything. And these can be guiding principles along the way. Ryan, Merry Almost Christmas. That's Happy right. Almost Holidays. We'll see you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. To God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, three in one. Lord, honor, might, and glory be. You're listening to Creator of the Stars at Night by Marian Grace off of their 2013 album, In the Bleak Midwinter. Now, just a quick sort of full disclosure comment. I'm the piano player for Marian Grace. It was my dear friend, Colleen Nixon, and I who started releasing albums under the name Marian Grace back in 2010. But it was 2013 that we released this Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany album called In the Bleak Midwinter. You really should go check it out. It always kind of explodes on Spotify about this time of the year. And it's just really, really beautiful. It's really sacred. It's really fun. A great way to prepare for Christmas. All that to say, what an amazing conversation yet again with Dr. Ryan Hanning, right? I'll tell you what, it's always crazy to sort of wrap up a season of the podcast. We've got one more episode next week with Father Ryan Adorjan, and then we're going to launch a bonus series as we're now doing in between each of these seasons. But it's always crazy to wrap up these conversations with our regular contributors because Dr. Ryan Hanning, I have to say, he's not just this brilliant intellect. He's a dear friend of mine. And when I listen back to these conversations, I think to myself, why? Why is Dr. Ryan Hanning not more a part of my day-to-day life, you know? I moved to to Tampa right as he moved to Nashville. I mean, basically a year later, worst timing ever. And yet it's a huge blessing for me to, to just have a friend like Dr. Ryan Hanning in the world. I think for all of us to listen to his, his thoughts about culture, his thoughts about music and books, and his certainly insight right into the art of being human. I have to say that phrase, the art of being human, I'm pretty sure I stole it from Ryan years ago. I heard him say it. I thought, that's it. That's what love good is about, the art of being human. So all that to say, what a gift, what a joy to have him back on. As I mentioned next week, I'll be sitting down with Father Ryan Adorjan. I hope you guys have an amazing, amazing continuation of December. Next week is in fact our last episode of season four, and that will come with a really huge, super duper huge announcement about the bonus series that will be launching Right around Christmas, it's going to be a six-episode series, bonus series, before we launch season five, believe it or not, in early February, okay? So hang tight. Next week, you're going to want to buckle your seatbelts, probably put your hat on if you're not wearing one, so you can hold on to it as we announce this really, really fun, never-been-done-before bonus series on the Love Good Podcast. We love you guys. Have a wonderful and amazing, amazing rest of your week. We'll see you next time around with Father Ryan Dorshan. Peace.
Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.